You are tuned into the Dr. Tina Show with Dr. Tina Moore. For more, visit drtina.com. On this episode of the Dr. Tina Show, I'm going solo. And I'm going to be talking with you today all about naturopathic perspectives on sauna and hydrotherapy and why I think protocols are bullshit. Hear me out. I am excited that science is catching up with what we've known to be true in naturopathic and holistic medicine for forever. And I am excited that humans are running studies on water cure using hot and cold therapies as humans have done for millennia so that they can tell you that this temperature for this amount of time for this many days a week is gonna give you this benefit and this percentage of improvement on this particular disease process. I can't buy into any of that and take it seriously. It's great, I'm glad to have data, but I think we've way, way overcomplicated things. And I listen to these influencers online, particularly folks who, not trying to throw anyone under the bus here, but if you're a PhD scientist and you're giving clinical information and you don't have any actual patients, like you're not clinically seeing patients and caring for them, you're just spewing data which is nice and that's cool, but I can't tell you the amount of times data does not line up with real world compliance. It doesn't line up with real clinical results. It's not as simple as that. It's not as simple as saying, take this supplement at this dosage exactly and these benefits will happen. I I think that's cool and I'm glad that we have things that back up what we know to be true, but I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure out that sauna is good for us. Humans have known this for ever for generation upon generation upon generation, particularly in some different countries. But I think that most countries have ways of using hot and cold to take care of themselves, whether it be through water or heating up a room in a sauna, jumping in a cold lake or ocean, even using hot sand to warm areas. Alternating hot and cold is an old human tried and true remedy. And it really doesn't need to be that complicated. And I say this because each human is different. Each day is different. Each, you know, training period is different. Each season is different. And we can't expect people to hop in a sauna at a certain temperature every single time and, you know, do it by the clock. I think that that's wishful thinking. I think we... We get humans thinking, well, if I eat this exactly this many grams of protein and I do this exact thing and I wear this gizmo that tells me about my sleep and my heart rate variability is this much, all of those are great gauges. And I think it's nice to have reference points. But at the end of the day, the true beauty of hot and cold therapy, particularly sauna and cold water, is that it's individualized to the recipient at the time meaning your vitality dictates what you can and can't handle that day. Your vitality in that moment tells you what temperature you can handle and for how long. Your ability to sweat that day or what your central nervous system is doing or how much you have or haven't eaten or how much you have or haven't slept or how much you have or haven't trained, how sick you've been. Are you coming out of a period of high stress? Are you in the middle of high stress? Are you sick at the current time? Are you? What are you dealing with? Are you dealing with chronic illness like cancer? Are you dealing with an acute illness like COVID? All of those things dictate how we use sauna or how I suggest patients use sauna. And if you go to a chronic illness conference, you'll learn that the doctors suggesting sauna are telling patients to do it to their tolerance. 
meaning you have to build up, you have to go slow and low, like any therapeutic, I tr- especially in a compromised state. When someone's in a compromised state, their vitality is low. We really have to go slow and low. This allows the patient's vitality to rise to the occasion. We're using hormesis or small bouts of stress to help homeostasis along. So that's hormesis is essentially like small bouts of stress in calculated dosages to allow the human being or the organ, the host, the organism or whatever, the, the animal to respond favorably. But the key to hormesis is resting and refeeding, right? And so I think of sauna as a hormetic stressor and all kinds of good things come from it. You can listen to prior episodes. We'll list them in the show notes of all the benefits. I mean, there's cardiovascular benefits, there's lymph benefits, there's heat shock proteins that help influence the immune system. There's um, reduction in metabolic syndrome. There's weight loss often. There's, it's a exercise mimetic, meaning it can essentially replace exercise if you're not able to move. So I like to say use sauna when you can't move your body, but use it in conjunction and stack it with your exercise if you can. Um, It helps with depression, like nobody's business. It's hypertherapy, or meaning you are heating somebody, or hyperthermic, I should say, you're heating somebody up a lot has been used therapeutically. uh, And we're talking very high temperatures under doctor's uh, watchful eye in a hospital setting has been used in some countries to treat different conditions like cancer. And these are all wonderful benefits. However, at the end of the day, we have to meet the patient where they're at or the person where they're at. Since you guys are not my patients, I speak to this as just, this is simply education. I'm not giving you advice on to, you know, go against anybody's doctor's orders. But I think that slow and low is the tempo, right? That's the way we have to ease into these things. And I'm not a huge fan of shocking the system. A system that's compromised and heavily stressed does not do well when it gets shocked. Sometimes we need to nudge. And it's the same with other therapeutics. It's the same with supplements. It's the same with detoxes. It's the same with with anything. Anything we apply to an individual has to be applied at the rate which that individual body can handle it. And so I don't treat two people the same. That's why I don't give blanket therapeutic protocols online or in my emails or on this podcast because I don't think one size fits all. And it's really important to work with somebody who can help you along. The beautiful thing about hydrotherapy, whether it be hot or cold therapy, is that you can control it from your home. It's generally free once you have the sauna purchased, it's free. Uh, hot showers are, are, I mean, you got to pay for your water, but hot showers, cold showers, cold baths, hot baths, applications of hot and cold therapy are generally very low cost to free. They're able to be done in your home. It's something naturopathic physicians have utilized for a long, long time. We had a whole course in hydrotherapy, naturopathic hydrotherapy. It was a whole quarter for several hours a week where we learned about the benefits of hot and cold therapy, alternating, um, solo, you name it. Doctors have been using hydrotherapy for a long time. And as I said, humans have been using it forever. And we know that there's benefits, but I would never expect to take two human beings and throw them in the same sauna situation and expect them both to get the same outcomes or to be able to handle it the same. And that's really the importance here is what can you handle? So I encourage, as always, that we nudge our way into it and we see what we can do. 
I think that infrared is superior to just dry sauna. I think dry sauna is superior to steam sauna. You can go back and listen to episode 68 where I talk with the Sunlight and co-owner. Sunlight and sauna is my favorite sauna um, when it comes to the walk-in versions. And you can hear me talk to Connie Zach, uh, I'm sorry, Connie Zach about these different types of sauna. Although getting hot is great, period. There's benefits to that. I really like the benefit that far infrared gives and near infrared for that matter. Sunlight has a unit that actually has all of the wavelengths, which I think is really cool. Anyway, we want to, we want to just gently edge our way in. We want to gently take advantage of the benefits that sauna or cold therapy has to offer us. Meaning, how do we do that? When I am really low vitality and I don't feel good and I, I've just come out of a very stressful bout or I've come out of a, a sleepless bout, whatever it may be that my body is under some duress, maybe it's, I re, shoot, I remember using hot and cold therapy after a very heavy divorce and just slowly rebuilding my vitality and my mojo back. So I will go in the sauna at whatever, you know, the temperature is relative to the unit you're using. So I would love to say we're going to crank it at 160 for this many minutes, but 160 and one box sauna might be a whole different story than 160 and your zip up sauna or a different company's box sauna. So I don't know. This is the part that gets tricky, right? I don't go that high. I never go that high. I actually... I do something that Connie Zach suggested in the podcast episode 68, which I've always done and I thought was really remarkable because infrared structures your water and structured water in a body is a much healthier body. So she suggests per the scientists that she's talked with and the doctors she's talked with that you get in the sauna and you let it heat up while you're in it. And this is what I do. I get in, I turn it on. I usually have all my clothes on because I'm freezing in my house in the winter because we Oregon winters are something different with all this rain. It's like a wet cold that gets into your bones and it hurts. So I get in the sauna and I turn it on and I let my body heat up. And within about 10, 15 minutes, I'm stripping off layers and throwing them outside the door. And then I let myself heat up with a sauna. And I'll tell you, by the time it gets to 120, I am dying. I am sweating hard and I am, it's a struggle totally different experience than if I let it heat up for an hour, get to 1.30 and I walk in at 1.30. My natural refrigeration process kicks on if I do it that way. If I walk into it already hot, it's a whole different ballgame than if I let it heat up while I'm in it. It's much easier to tolerate a high temperature if you just hop into it. I have, That's been my personal experience. If I go to 1.30, 1.40 and I hop in, I am... Uh, I start sweating, yeah, profusely pretty quickly, but it's way more tolerable. If I go in it and let it heat up with me in it, it's so much harder. And I think honestly, that's probably much better for me. And from what I understood Connie to say is that is partially due to the structuring of the water. It's happening in real time. And I talked with my husband and I've talked to a couple of friends since then and shared this information. And they're like, you know what? You're right. Like it's much harder to get in a sauna cold and heat up with it than it is to get into an already heated up sauna. So I'm gonna go with the heat up with it strategy because I'm using it to build my vitality. I'm using it to help my cells work better. I'm using it to sort of kickstart the system.
Have you been looking for an in-home infrared sauna? Look no further. I've done the research for you and I found the one. My sauna of choice is by Sunlighten. They've got 23 years in the business. Their quality is unmatched. They are directly involved with each unit from production, process, start to finish. Their heater quality, it's like surround sound of infrared heat. It feels delicious and not all infrared heat is the same. They've got ultra low EMFs. I know you guys ask about that a lot. It is third-party tested and proven. They've got options for everyone from portable units to walk-in box saunas. You can save up to $600 off your purchase right now when you use the link in the show notes and you mention my name, Dr. Tina. I hope you enjoy your new sauna. It's the best biohacking tool I can think of for walking into winter. Now, how long do I stay in? That really depends on how I'm feeling. I do go through a period where things get pretty tough about 20, 30 minutes in. And then I, oh, if I can't overcome that, if I cannot overcome that, if it's really a struggle, I'll get out. And I call it good. And I'm like, you know what? Win for the day. I got my sauna in. If I am feeling really vital and I've been well-fed, well-rested, all of that, um, I'll get in and I'll rock out an hour in there and I'll just sweat. And I never take my sunlight in above 130. So for all of you protocol uh, folks out there, I, I still derive, I believe, great benefit from it. And I don't think that we're going to be able to standardize sauna the way that everybody would like to. I say, do what you can. Meet your body where it's at. Don't try to push it too hard. Too much is too much. Last year, I did 30 days of sauna as an experiment. And about day 20, I was really going for it. I was trying to go high temperature and stay in for a long period of time. And I ended up really taxing my adrenal glands. I, it was becoming very hard for me to hold on to my hydration status. That's how I knew my adrenals were struggling. Because when you blow your adrenals out, you start to lose the benefit of aldosterone. And when you lose aldosterone, you lose the ability to hold on your, onto your sodium and your salt. So you become chronically dehydrated and you sweat really easily. And people are like, oh, it's great. I'm sweating easily. It's not great when you're just sweating and easily all day long. Something is, is awry. So I could tell that I was really putting a load on my adrenals that it didn't like. And that is, that's counter to what the benefit I was looking for was, right? I was trying to stoke my vitality, not tank it out. So more is not better. You see these influencers and they are very healthy and they're very vital. They're usually younger and they are you know, hitting the sauna hard and then jumping in the ice bath hard and they're warriors. And I think that's great for them. But I think for the average human in America right now, with all the stress that's being applied to us, this uncertainty in the world, this verge of war with, you know, the powers that be, just all the bullshit that's happening, I firmly believe that sauna is a tool. It's a tool that we should have gratitude for and respect for. And it's not something we need to go cook ourselves to death. I think we need to meet our bodies where they're at. And so I give myself the grace to choose when to get out and at what temperature. Have I sweated enough? That's up to me. That's not up to some protocol. Have I gotten hot enough? That's up to me. That's up to my vitality and what I can handle. And then I go rest. And I will rest as long as I need. And then I usually take a cool shower. Now, traditional, uh, if I had a shower nearby my sauna, what I would do is probably sauna for 10 minutes, give myself a second to recalibrate and then rinse off in a cool shower and then sauna for 10 minutes, cal recalibrate, rinse off in a cool shower. Third trip into the sauna for 10 minutes, recalibrate, rinse off in a cool shower. That is a wonderful alternating hot and cold therapeutic um, 
run. And I think that that gives people a lot of vitality benefit. That's my kind of old school. If you want a protocol, there it is. Now, what temperature? I have no idea. That's up to you. Do you, is 10 minutes the magic number? No, absolutely not. Sometimes I'll stay in a little longer. Sometimes I'll stay in a little less. It depends on what I can handle. How cold is the water that I'm rinsing off with? Up to my tolerance. How much of my body am I putting in the cold water? Up to my tolerance. Sometimes I'll just rinse arms and legs or hands and feet. And other times I'll just put my whole body into it and I'll crank it to fully cold. It really depends on the day. And so I want to grant you some grace as well. And I want you to start trying this. Try this out. Don't avoid something completely because it's too hardcore. Make it less hardcore and nudge your way in. I think there's benefit to that. I don't think it, I know it. We've been using it this way for a long, long time in naturopathic medicine and it's always done our patients good. So I want to encourage you. I hate getting in a freezing cold tub. It does something to me. And I was trying to cold plunge last year post-COVID and it was helping kind of snap me out of this uh, perpetual, like I couldn't quite shake the disease. And I snapped out of it with some cold plunges. But also I ended up too taxed out, too low vitality. I went out on a very windy, cold, rainy day. I cold plunged and I knew it. I had a hat on and I felt the cold wind hitting the back of my neck and I was trying to stay in the tub as long as I could. And the tub was probably in the 40s or 30s. It was cold. And I came inside and I knew something was wrong. I knew that I pushed it too hard. And lo and behold, that night I came down with a terrible cold. I got a few colds post-COVID. I kept getting colds there for, a, like I'd get these little colds for a few days, I think maybe two or three times post-COVID. And obviously my immune system was a little compromised from dealing with it. And I think that, you know, getting cold wind invasion in Chinese medicine is not a good thing. And so there I was. And my point is, is I knew I shouldn't be out there and I knew I should get out sooner. And I didn't listen because I was trying to go for a 60 seconds or, you know, 120 seconds. And that's just nonsense. I shouldn't have done that. And that's my point. Just like I shouldn't have overcooked myself in the sauna the, a few months earlier, right? So we use these as tools. When I was sick, when I had COVID and I was full throttle sick, I was using sauna. So was my husband. We would just go down in our pajamas or whatever clothes we had on while we were sick and we'd turn it on and we'd give ourselves maybe just a few minutes. I mean, I remember only being able to handle it at 110 for about five minutes before I thought I was going to pass out. And I remember crawling out of the sauna and laying on the floor. I was so sick. But I was trying to get these little increments of heat shock proteins to get my immune system going. So that's another wonderful tool and a way to use sauna as a tool when you are actually in the middle of ailing, right? Or when you're convalescent and you're trying to recover. These are times when we can use sauna and in screw protocols, right? We're just using it to get our bodies warm. We're using it to get our vitality up and we're using it to sort of stoke that hormetic switch a little bit. Another way to implement sauna, I think is when you use it like I do, um, just for maintenance. So what does that look like? Like you're feeling great, everything's good, but you want to keep your risk for cardiovascular disease down because we've got data showing tremendous benefits in that capacity. If you do it, you know, I think it's what, 160 degrees for roughly 20 minutes, four days a week. Well, I'm not doing 160 degrees, but I do still think I'm getting cardiovascular benefit. I I'm going to just go out on a limb there. And I think using it for maintenance a couple times a week is a really great idea, just like the Finnish do, right? It's part of their culture and they definitely 
utilize it on the regular. It's, it's something I see a lot of people at the gym do, you know, they use sauna on the regular. You might want to use it. You might want to stretch while you're in there. You could do yoga depending on the size of it. You might want to just lay down and meditate. Sometimes I'll journal because once my brain starts getting hot, uh, all kinds of thoughts come to me. I don't know about you guys, but I get a lot of downloads from the universe, a lot of moments of genius when I'm in water, whether I be in the shower or the tub or the sauna, um, when I'm, I guess being in the sauna is not being in water, but water is like a conductor of brilliance for my brain and so is getting hot. And so I really like these times of clarity where I can just get my thoughts down. So I might just journal, freestyle journal. Lastly, I will leave you with this thought. When in doubt, cook the shit out of yourself. That's what I always say. What do I mean by that? I have been using sauna and been a proponent of sauna and have been encouraging my patients to buy saunas for years and years, years, since I very, very first started my practice. In 2008, I have been a proponent of sauna and I've helped lots of patients um, move forward and buying them and making, you know, really getting them to understand the benefit of it. I think they add quality of years to your life. I really do. I think they add quality years, I think they are a little bit of, I think sauna on the regular is a bit of insurance for your health, just like strength training, just like good sleep, just like all the things I preach. So when in doubt, get hot. And what I mean by this is I have noticed that one of the first things I do when I'm starting to feel dull or down or hypothyroid or a little bit autoimmune flare or some pain, some chronic pain is creeping up. I really start to drop away from some of these tools that I need to use. And sauna often is the first to go for me. I'll still keep up with my workouts. I'll still make sure I sleep well. I'll still make sure I eat well. But I start to lose my appetite and I start to move away from sauna. I think it's because sauna can be hard, right? It's hard. Like that that 20 minute mark, especially if you heat up inside the sauna for the sake of vitality stoking, uh, that 20 minute mark can be, 15, 20 minute mark can be a challenge. And I'm like, oh, this is hard and it takes time and I'm going to sweat and then I'm going to have to shower. And like, it seems like a nuance. And so I, or nuisance, I should say. So I, I don't do it as often as I should sometimes. And then I'll find myself kind of in a downward spiral and, or just stuck, or maybe creativity isn't flowing or whatever it may be. And I immediately go to my default, which is Tina, go cook the shit out of yourself. And so I'll pop myself in the sauna. And you know what? That first sauna can be a challenge. I maybe won't sweat very much and it might be hard, but that second one is awesome always. And it gets sort of the, the sauna mojo going. And then I can't wait. Like I wake up looking forward to it. Like, when do I get a sauna today? When do I get a carve out time to sauna? And it becomes really addictive. I don't, know about you, but it's, if you have a sauna, you know, it can become really addictive. And I have to remind myself how much I love that addiction. And so it's like anything else. I have to sort of prioritize and force myself to do it at the advent. And then once I get going, I feel awesome and I don't regret it a single bit. And I've never regretted a moment that I've spent in the sauna. I've always come out better, especially, I will say this to all of you who are dealing with seasonal affective disorder. It is the best antidepressant I've ever found. I, I There are a few things that I do to shift my mental state when I'm feeling dull and down, particularly with this rainy weather that we, it's hard living in gray skies all the time. We've had a sunny winter here in Oregon. I want to knock on wood, but man, when it's gray all day for days on end, it gets to you. And so obviously exercise is always a quick mood changer, going for a walk, but I can't always do that here. So I'll maybe walk on the treadmill. Those are all quick mood changers. Grounding is a quick mood changer, but sauna 
will get me out of a funk faster than anything. And it'll raise me up. I can't think of anything much more than between sauna and deadlifts. Those two things, I think it must be the hit to the central nervous system, the hormetic hit, but they really pop me out of those low states fast and bring me to a much higher resonance. So I will leave you with that because you may need it. I know times are stressful right now. I know things are crazy and I want you to use sauna as your friend and forget these protocols for a minute and use it as a tool to meet your body where your body's at. Thanks for listening to the Dr. Tina Show. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Tina, that's D-R-T-Y-N-A and Dr. Tina 2.0, as well as visit my website at drtina.com. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The theme song is by John the Guilt. As always, you can email the show at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practices of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content on this podcast is intended not to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. Do you suffer from IBS or other digestive issues? Are you looking for a new podcast to listen to? From the producer of The Dr. Tina Show comes the all-new health and nutrition podcast, Digest This, hosted by Bethany Ugardi. You may know Bethany as the face of the popular Instagram page, Lil Sipper, or you may have even read her book. Now you can find her wherever you get your podcasts. On Digest This, Bethany examines topics such as gut health, nutrition, the food industry, and highlights specific ingredients that can be beneficial or harmful to your gut health. She also explores non-toxic options in beauty, home, and cooking essentials. If it has to do with your health, Digest This is talking about it. Each episode features an interview with health experts, doctors, and wellness advocates and delivers you information that is, well, easy to digest. Bethany also delivers a weekly segment every episode called Bite of Knowledge, where she highlights an ingredient commonly used in food, skin care, household cleaning, you name it, and gives you the lowdown on the benefits or dangers that ingredient might have in your everyday life. From Botox, potassium, olive oil, and magnesium, all the way to those ingredients you can barely pronounce on the back of your cereal boxes, Bethany has you covered. There's a reason why it debuted at number two on Apple Podcast Nutrition Charts. Check out Digest This on your favorite podcast app. New episodes every Monday and Wednesday. Produced by Drake Peterson and Resonant Media.